Hey, uh, yeah, how many people know about Love Life? Raise your hand. Well, um, our church, you know, they adopt churches uh, for 40 weeks of the year to go and do a, a prayer walk uh, around the most uh, active abortion uh, center in Charlotte. So that's, that's what. So we have this uh, week. Our week will be uh, starting next Sunday and the following Saturday will be when we go to Charlotte to, to do this walk. So, so we'll have a week of prayer ahead of time. And so what we are inviting you to do, if you would like to come and uh, participate uh, in this prayer walk, and now we all like prayer walks, right? Especially when they're effective, right? I mean, who wants ineffective prayer? I don't. I mean, but these, they have seen so many results. So if you want to be a person who makes a difference, this is a practical way to make a difference because women go every Saturday and maybe almost every day, I don't know for sure, but every Saturday women go to that abortion clinic to, to kill babies, okay? Every week that they do those prayer walks, women make a decision not to kill their baby. That's making a difference. It's saving a life. And I believe if we want to stop murder, the spirit of murder that's in our country, we can start by stopping the murder of babies. I believe when, when we can turn that thing around, I think we'll see a turnaround in our nation of all this violence and, and division and strife because that has opened a door on us. And so I'm really asking you to really consider coming, uh, you know, participating in the, in the uh, week of prayer and then that last Saturday of August is that morning to go and do the prayer walk. Like they say, this is not a protest. It's peaceful. It's worshipful. It's prayer. And uh, so I would like to ask you to please consider doing that, uh, taking, you know, three or four hours of your time to, to save a life. If you felt like you could save a life by spending four hours of your time, would you do that? And I believe some lives will be saved because of people like us. And lives are being saved every week there. And and then there's a couple other places that they've opened up. Uh, they're doing them. One over in the uh, Raleigh area, I think. Uh, one in Greensburg. They've starting to do one in New York. Uh, so it's pretty something God's doing. Amen. He's going to. God wants to turn abortion around, make it illegal in our country. I believe that with all my heart. Amen. So please come. Uh, and next week we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, and then we will, I will, Becky and I will definitely be here for that prayer walk. So that was one reason we wanted to come back earliest because we didn't want to miss that. All righty. Praise the Lord. That was great worship this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, thank you, Lord. The Lord's good, isn't he? We're excited about going to Argentina, kind of. Once you get there, it's between walking out your door of your house and 24 hours getting to the place you're going. That's the part. That 24-hour period is... It's tedious for me. I don't know about you, but whew, you got to shift into the gear. you got to find a different gear. Just like I'm not thinking about nothing. I'm not thinking about what I'm doing right now. I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do. Just go through the airport, get on the airplane, get off the airplane, go to a different part of the airport, get on another airplane, get off the airplane, get in a bus, go to a different airport, get on another airplane, get off the airplane, somebody picks you up and takes you there. That's... 24. Yeah, it's all good though. Lord really needs to give us an anointing to to do all. To yeah, Amen. Yeah, I told Becky yesterday I need to get my certain parts of my my anatomy and gear and find that anointing gear. I'd like to know how to do that. I'm serious. I wish I could figure out the formula for being able to step in to the anointing. Because I'm thinking I don't really know how to do that. Either either happens or it doesn't happen. You know what I'm talking about? God either anoints you or he doesn't. And I've seen some amazing people that have amazing anointings not be anointed. That's frightening. It should be frightening for anybody. Like, Lord, if you don't anoint us and you don't help us, nothing we do is going to matter. So we're really asking the Lord for a really powerful anointing uh, in what, we do, what we're doing. And so I pray the Lord give you an anointing right now. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Well, I shouldn't probably preach this morning, 
because uh, what we did in worship there, they just preached my whole message, uh, almost. They, there's, they almost did it, but we did the rest of it when we prayed, when y'all prayed for us, and I'll just share that with you in a minute. First of all, I want to read, uh, Lord help me, uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. This uh, Becky quoted this. This is called the great commandment. This is beautiful. Uh, someone asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, and he said that he replied, "You must love the Lord your God with all your hearts, all your soul, and all your mind." And so, uh, there's nothing. I want to just really push this thing in on you this morning. There's nothing more foundational in your life as a as, as a human being, as a believer, than the love of God. That will t- determine the course of your life, whether you uh, have this understanding, this revelation, of God, some revelation of God's love is what is going to determine the course of your life. It determines how you see yourself. It determines how you see God. When you open the Bible to read it, it's going to affect the, the reading of the Word and how you perceive the Word. When you see things happen around you, it's going to affect how you perceive those things. It's just the most powerful thing there really is, is God's love. And that's why Jesus says this is the greatest. And the love of God can never be Never be de-emphasized. It's, uh, it's the thing that should be motivating us and, and, and really pulling on our hearts constantly to know this love. Paul said in Ephesians 3 that the love of God was past finding out. Is not, we cannot really understand it. Okay, he said there's not, our minds really can't get around this thing. It's something our heart has to get around. Because you know love's a weird thing, isn't it? I don't know about you, but when I fell in love with Becky, I, did some bad, I made some bad choices. I mean, I just made a lot of bad choices because I loved her, okay? And my heart was saying to do things that make her happy versus things that make me happy. I say they were bad choices. They were probably good choices because I made her happy for a while, right? So, you know, uh, when we talk about the love of God, you're a, you know, we talk about identity, uh, we talk about, you know, wholeness. We talk about healing. We talk about deliverance. We talk about all these things that we so desire. All of those are really wrapped up in a revelation of God's love. And it really has been the most beautiful thing, I would say, in my life is, is coming into a revelation of God's love. Because I went as a believer for, you, for many years, which I believe there's people in this room right now who, who have a mental understanding of, of love but don't have a hard understanding. And so, so it doesn't really affect you. It doesn't really impact your decisions and your choices in life. Because deep down inside of you, you don't know that love. You may believe it theologically. You may even be able to explain it theologically. But it's not, it's not transforming your life. It's not motivating your life. You know what I'm saying? Does anybody know what I'm saying? You'll, if you don't know this love, if you don't have a personal experience with this love, that is the most important thing on God's agenda for you is to know His love, which, which surpasses knowledge, the way Paul, way Paul said it. Uh, but, so that's the great, the great commandment, and it's just a beautiful thing for us. But there's also in the Bible another great, right? Uh, called the Great Commission. That's a great, uh, although that's not a necessarily biblical, scriptural phrase, the Great Commission, uh, where the Great Commandment is, but that we've come to know the Great Commission as something else that's vitally important to our lives. Um, I've come to realize in, in my life um, that there's an impartation, like there's an impartation from, about the love of God that will transform you and impact your life. There's also an impartation that comes off the Great Commission. There's certain things you are not going to have in your life apart from embracing the Great Commission. One of those things is spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is completely tied into the Great Commission. It really is. You can't. You don't have spiritual authority outside the mission of the Lord. And, it, and so, the way we we if you want spiritual authority, 
you, you have to step into his mission. Because God has a mission. And, he, and, and so if you will step into his mission, then you can start tapping into spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is weightiness in the spirit. It means when you speak or do something, there's weight behind it. There's a force behind it that's beyond you. And that, allow, that can move things and change things. In other words, you can begin to speak things and that, that your speaking will make a difference. You know, if you're sick, you can begin to speak to what's wrong with you and it'll make a difference because you or, or you, you, there's this authority of God resting on your words. Are y'all following this? So that's really, really vital. And so what I've really understood is uh, a lot of believers are not, don't have fulfillment in their life. They're, they don't feel fulfilled with their Christianity. And, it's, and I've come to the conclusion that we will be fulfilled. Our fulfillment is connected with authority. It's connected with the mission of God. Christians will never be fulfilled without stepping in to God's commission and mission that He has for their life. Now, that's really the truth. As much as the love of God is awesome, as how healing it is, how powerful it is in your life, and that you desperately need that, you desperately need to experience that, you desperately need this thing called the Great Commission. If you're going to be a, a full, whole, and functioning, healthy human being and, and believer. You know, we talk about destiny. We talk about purpose. All those things are tied into the Great Commission. Every one of them. If you feel like you have a destiny in your life, it's only going to be found inside the Great Commission. If you feel like that God has a purpose for you, if you feel like God has a calling for you, the way to step into that is begin to, to, to embrace the Great Commission. And are y'all following me? Okay. Okay. So, um, I don't know if you, if you were here, a couple of people were here a couple of weeks ago uh, when I talked about the Gospel of Luke. Do anybody remember that? And we talk, I taught, you know, like it's called the practical, I call it, I call it the practical gospel. Okay. Because there's so much in the Gospel of Luke about helping the poor, helping the sick. Helping the foreigners, visiting people in prison. I mean, and it's talking about pr- practically helping them, not just spiritual. If you remember, we talked about, some, gave you some great examples and stories out of the Gospel of Luke of Jesus, you know, helping people on a practical level and encouraging, encouraging us to get our hands dirty with humanity and do practical things like helping the poor and helping feed people when they're hungry and helping clothe people. And that's what the Gospel of Luke is. But I wanted to read the Great Commission. I read it that day. It's sort of freeing, but it's Luke 24, 49. And this is Luke's version of the Great Commission. Remember, if I told, I told you that every one of the Gospels have a version of the Great Commission. Every one of them. And the book of Acts has a version of the Great Commission. They, all the Gospels end with the Great Commission, and the book of Acts begins with the Great Commission. And that's a pretty powerful statement. But this is Luke's version of this Great Commission. I want you to think about it for a second. Think about Luke as being very practical gospel, and here, here's Jesus saying, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now, it's kind of a paradox because the whole gospel is talking about doing practical things. And the, but at the end of it, he says, but wait a minute. Don't try to do any of that without this. This is a big mistake if you try. You know, if you, if you think about the gospel of Matthew's Great Commission... It's all about, it's about Jesus saying, now, here's what you need to go and do. You need to go teach. You need to go baptize. You need to go preach the gospel. It's about what we do. But here's what Luke's saying in his commission. It's not about what we do, but it's about what God does. Isn't that amazing? He's trying to bring us into this place to see God has to do something with us. God has to give us something. And it's the Holy Spirit. And so... Really, the truth is, 
is we can, you know, the need for the Holy Spirit can never be overstated. It really never can be. And so here's the way this thing works is you can get spiritual authority in the Great Commission, but you can't get power from the Great Commission. You get power from the Holy Spirit, and you need both. You hear what I'm saying to you? So, so every Christian can have spiritual authority, and every Christian can have power if you allow the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and clothe you with power. That's what the worship team was trying to do with you all this morning, is trying to invite you into an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because, see, see, the power of God comes in our life through these encounters that we can have with the Holy Spirit. And so there was a real invitation from the Lord this morning for you to have power. And so I hope you accepted that invitation because that's what Jesus was saying. You, whatever you do is not going amount, to amount to much apart from this encounter with the Holy Spirit where you receive His power. And that was pretty powerful. Lord, I just pray right now... Uh, one more time for people. If you didn't respond, now maybe you feel a little convicted about it and say, oh, I wish I would have. I was going to get some power. See, a lot of times people think we're just trying to have an experience. It's not just about having an experience. It's about having an encounter with the Lord and letting His power come into your life to be able to do what He's called you to do. So I want to stop right now and pray for people. We feel like they need the power of God in their life. If, you, if you're that person, won't you stand up? If you're that person that says, I, I really need the power of God working in my life. You know what Paul said in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 3, verse 7? He said, it was, it's a privilege to preach the gospel. That's what he said. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. And he said... God has given me that privilege. He's also given me His grace and power to preach the gospel. So, Father, we're just saying today it's a privilege. Say to the Lord, it's a privilege. It's not a have to. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. And the Lord's inviting you in this morning. He's inviting you in right now to step into His mission. Whatever that looks like for you. It will look different for everybody, but he's inviting you to step in to his mission. He's inviting you to receive spiritual authority right now. He's inviting you to step into his mission, and in that mission is going to be authority. In that mission is going to be fulfillment. In that mission is going to be purpose and destiny and call and all those things. But he's also saying, I want to give you power. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I want you to have a personal, real encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, come. I want to have an encounter with you. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you badly, Holy Spirit. I want you to give me your power. Fill me with power. Clothe me with power. Lord, I thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now sit down. Yes, sir. You've been set up for a bad situation. <laughs> mm. So, so each of the gospels will really have a different little version of Jesus, right? Each one of them gives us a little different picture of Jesus, uh, and all of us give all of them give us a great commission. And so, um, I wanted to say something about John's gospel. Um, and there's some a specific couple of things in his great commission I think is really important this morning, is, first of all, who doesn't love the gospel of John, right? I mean, even non-believers embrace the gospel of John. How many people you ever give an a unsaved person a little gospel of John, right? That's what you do. If, I don't know. I've had many little, just little, I don't know if they still make them, but used to be I had all these little gospel of John's. I've never seen a little gospel of Matthew or a little gospel of Luke. But I always had these little gospel of John's. And when I would share the gospel with an unsaved person, I would give them that. Like, hey, read this and ask God to speak to you when you read it. And he'll talk to you uh, through these words. Because, because here's the difference between John 
John's gospel, what John does is John reveals the heart of God. He, he tells us what God's like. He tells us how God feels. He tells us the things that goes on in God's heart and how God feels about people and what God wants to do. That's, that's what the Gospel of John's all about. That's why they call Jesus, in, in Luke, they call Jesus uh, the Son of Man because of the practical thing. But in, in John, Jesus is called the Son of God because he's revealing the Father and re- revealing how great the Father is. And, you know, what Dean shared was really really profound because it, it comes right out of, of uh, John chapter 1. Let me read that to you. Uh, are y'all okay? John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, the Word already existed. This is the New Living Translation. The Word already existed. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? The Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's so beautiful. He existed at the beginning with God. Everybody say with. With such a powerful word right here. Okay, That's what Dean was talking about. He was talking about with. He was talking about being on a motorcycle with somebody. Okay, That's what Gospel of John's all about. He wants people to get with God and be with Him. Because that's what Jesus was doing in eternity past. He was with God. And so God wanted to be with us like he shared. He really, it really is a truth. If you look at the Bible at the very beginning, you see that God was desperate in a good way to be with people. He walked in the, walked in the cool of the day with Adam because he wanted to be with Adam. Everybody say with. See, when the church starts believing that God wants to be with us instead of trying to get God to be with us, something's going to change. We're going to quit begging God to come, and we're going to say, God already wants to come. God wants to be with us. When we really start believing that, that's when the presence of the Lord is going to reside. It's going to rest in a place. It's going to rest in homes. It's going to rest in businesses. And when you have the presence of the Lord resting, stuff happens. Storms get calmed when the presence of the Lord is resting. Storms in your life can be shifted when there's a resting presence. Are you talk, am I talking to anybody in this room this morning? And so that's what John wants us to, to know. That's what Jesus wants us to know right from the beginning of this gospel, that God wants to be with us. That's amazing, Dean. It says, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. He's the creator. That's the word of God, Jesus. The word gave life to everything that was created. That's Jesus. He gave life. That's what Becky was saying. I'm preaching their message. That's what she was saying. Lord, without your presence, it just doesn't matter. There's nothing. That's what it says right there. He gives life to everything. If you want life, He's the life. He is. It's not what we do or what we don't do. It's Him. If you want life on what you, what you are doing and what you are saying, get Him. Get with Him. Be with Him. And life gets released. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Everybody say light. Light's important. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never ex- extinguish it. It can never extinguish it. Everybody say that. Darkness cannot extinguish the light. Yeah. How many people have had dark days? Oh, Lord. Yeah. You know, dark days are part of, part of life. Um, I heard this guy, he's not, even, he's not a believer actually, talking about suffering. And he, he said, suffering's a privilege because, because life is a privilege. In life, they're suffering. So that's, I'm thinking, here's a guy in the world teaching the church something. We have life. It's a privilege. And because we live in a fallen world, there's going to be suffering. So it makes us help us see suffering a little bit different. Hey, let me tell you about something that happened to me. This, this ties in with the Great Commission. All this does, believe me, if I can. Tell you what, I think I may have told you all this before. It doesn't matter if I did, though, does it? <laughs> Y'all forgot. I was, I was kind of in a, I was having some dark days. I had a lot of dark days. I had some dark years, actually. You know, 
And I got through all that. God got me through it. And then, you know, I just had this moment sitting out there in the parking lot one day. It was raining really hard. So I didn't want to get out of the car and get wet. (laughs) I was too lazy to run into the church building. So I was sitting out there, and I felt this presence come into the car. And I felt him on my face. And it was like this fire was on my face. That's what it felt like to me. I felt like my face was burning, just one side of it. And uh, I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And he started talking to me about a lot of stuff. Um, I just love that, don't you? Don't y'all love it when the Holy Spirit comes like that to you? Just out of the blue. He made it rain like that because he knew I didn't want to get wet. So he could talk to me. And so I asked him a question. Because I wanted to know. I wanted to know since he was talking and he seemed to be wanting to say stuff I wanted him to say something I wanted him to say this is what I asked him like I know Lord you you know he was just saying all this beautiful stuff to me about my life and because that's what he does and I asked him about the dark days and this is what he said to me no lie he said it's all the same to me It's all the same to me because this is the day that the Lord has made. That's what he said. He's made every day. He said it's not whether you have a good day or whether you have a bad day that really matters because the light shines in the darkness. And this is what he said to me. And the darkness did not overcome you. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. The darkness did not defeat you. That's pretty powerful. Real powerful. You can walk into a light room, okay, or excuse me, a dark room, totally pitch dark, and you can strike a match and bring light into the room, or you can flick your bic, or you can turn on a flashlight, or you can just flip the switch, and the room is light. But you cannot walk into a dark room and strike a dark. You ever think about that? You can't have a dark spot in a light room. The only way that you can have darkness in a light room is to dispel the light. The light always overcomes the darkness. But the darkness, not even in a little bit, not even in the natural, can overcome the light at all. And that's what the Lord wants you to know. If you're in your dark days... Just know this, darkness has never overcome the light that's in you. You have that light in you. It's Him. It's Him. And I don't know, when the Lord told me that that day, that really felt good to me. It somehow satisfied my curiosity about the dark days that I had gone through. And suddenly I didn't need a lot of explanation because I was good. Let me just read this one more verse here. Yeah, man, I'm going to get this done, man. John 1, 14, it says... So the Word became human and made His, what, home among us. He made His home among us. That's what God wants to do. He wants, that's what He still wants to do. He wants a home. He's looking to make a home with people. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. That's just uh, so beautiful. So, you know, God came down, and He came down like us, was born like us, lived like us, felt the things that we feel. He wanted to be with us that bad. He was willing to subject himself to being one of us, you know, for 33 years until they finally killed him. But let me just tell you this other story about from the Gospel of John, which is really the, the heart, I think, one of the hearts. Well, there's lots of hearts. So it's hard to really pinpoint this, okay? But in Mark and John 5, there's a, a story about this healing. Uh, there was these pools... Uh, in, in Israel, in Jerusalem, uh, that people, it was like a hospital. It was like an ancient hospital. And pe- all these sick people would be gathered. It was like these five pools. And all these sick people would be gathered around these pools, but there was no doctor there, okay? There was no nurses there. There was no x-rays. There was no operating room. 
But every once in a while, an angel, they said, would come down and stir the water in the pool. Isn't that amazing? It's just unreal. That's, a, that's truly happened on earth. An angel would come and stir, and the person who got in would be healed. Isn't that powerful? That happened. God did that. He did a supernatural thing in the earth in front of the whole world for everybody to see. It was just common knowledge to those people in that day. Something supernatural was normal. It wasn't a big deal an angel came and stirred and people got healed. God wants us to have that kind of heart where it's just, that's what God does. He does supernatural stuff. But So there's this one particular guy who had been sick for 38 or 39 years. I forget which one. He could not help himself. And he was laying on this mat. And Jesus walks into this place where all these sick people walk. Myriads of sick people, probably hundreds of people. You know they were because the people were sick back then. Just like they are now, but they had no hospitals. That was their hospital. Everybody was waiting on to be the one to get in. So Jesus walks into this place. He could have just swooped his hands like this and everybody would be instantly healed, but he didn't. He didn't because for a reason. And so he asked this guy, do you want to get healed? And the guy said, yeah, I want to get healed, but you know, when the waters are stirred, somebody else gets in front of me. And then Jesus said, get up and take up your mat and walk. And the guy was instantly healed, okay, supernaturally. Then Jesus disappears into the crowd. Then the Pharisees see this guy, this is, and this happened to be on Sabbath day, okay, They see this guy walking around carrying his mat or his sleeping bag, okay? And they go after him. You're not supposed to do that. You cannot do that. Why are you doing this? Well, I just got healed, and the guy who healed me told me to carry it. Who healed you and told you to do that? They're going to get Jesus for that because it was breaking the law in their mind. You can't can't do that. That was terrible, wasn't it, that they thought that way? The guy got healed. They should have looked on him like, we'll carry it for you then. You know, we'll buy you another one. You know, we'll do something for you to keep you from breaking the law. But they didn't. They just wanted to condemn, and they wanted to condemn Jesus. Then later he ran into Jesus, and Jesus told the guy, look, and he told him, and Jesus said, listen, here's what you need. You need to stop sinning. That's what he told him. You need to stop sinning because if you don't, you might get some more demonic stuff happen to you. You know? So... Anybody sinning a lot in here this morning? You know, you might want to stop. I know how it feels, right? You know, everybody's got the sin that so easily besets us, right? Who don't have that? Raise your hand if you don't have a sin that so easily besets you. Raise your hand. Nobody don't. Y'all don't. I'm proud of you. We all have sins that easily besets us, okay? But that ain't the kind of sin. This guy was, uh, was a lifestyle lifestyle of sin and so finally those Pharisees called up with Jesus and started going after him and this is what he said in verse 17 I want you to hear this Jesus replied my father is always working and so am I did y'all hear that what did he say my father is always working always not just sometimes but always so am I so he, what he was saying is I'm totally committed to what he's doing I'm always committed to what he's doing, and he's always doing something. And then he, and in verse 19, he says, Jesus, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Isn't that powerful? Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. And by the way, just for your information about that word love there, y'all know about the, the, the words for love in the Bible. One of them's agape. That is not agape love. This is friendship love. This is not supernatural love. This is friendship love. So he's giving us clues about how to see what God's doing. Okay? Ain't that powerful though? The Father loves the Son and shows Him everything He's doing. In fact, the Father will show Him how to do even greater works than healing this man. And then you'll be astonished, even greater works. And then in verse 30, he says, I can do nothing on my own. 
I judge as God tells me, therefore my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. This is, this is the Great Commission. You know, Arthur Burt had this little saying. He said this, All that Jesus ever did, Jesus never did. It was the Father working in him. Isn't that cool? All that Jesus ever, E-V-E-R, did, Jesus never did. It was the Father working him. That's what Jesus was saying there. I only do what the Father does. And it's the Father working in Jesus that causes him to do it. And so this is, this is really important. Now, let me read this. Are y'all with me on this? Or y'all just checked out on me? Come on. This is John's great commission. Now, I could read bunches of scripture. I, I mean, gosh, go read John 14 if you want to get your ears just blown back spiritually. It's the best there is in some way. I love that chapter because Jesus said this. I just got to say this to you. They said, I've said this a million times. They said, just show us the Father. That, that's what they said. Philip said that. One of his disciples, just show us the Father and it'll be enough. In other words, if we could just see this Father and know this Father, that's the thing that we so hunger and desire for. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Isn't that beautiful? That's one of the most powerful statements in the Bible. And here's why. Because it describes what God is like. It's Jesus. The Father, Jesus reflects what the Father's really like. He really does. He really does. Can you give me a couple more minutes? Or are you going to be mad? Let me just tell you this. I've been going through the Old Testament. Oh, that's a dangerous thing to do, right? Because God kills people out back there. Constantly. You know, David killed a lot of people, King David. I mean, he was always killing people. It says that David, this is before he became a king, he was raiding villages and killing everybody in the village. Everybody. I mean, that guy killed more people than you can imagine. That's why God said, you can't build me a temple because you're just too bloody, buddy. <laughs> I love you. You're awesome. But you, you ain't going to do this job because you are a man of bloodshed. That was his calling. It was his purpose. But, you know, you're like, well, why did God do all that? Why did he let King David, who had a heart after the Lord, who the Lord says that he comes, he's the root and offspring of David. Why did God do that? That's the question. So a lot of people get mad at God. You know, I don't really know why I did that, honestly. I think it has something to do with this, though, perhaps. You know, there was a seed that God had in the earth, right? And it came through Abraham, right? And Jesus was actually the manifestation of that seed. I think, is, was God protecting that seed? Is that why there was so much he had to deal? Because God... God came into a dark world. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The world was real dark then. People were killing each other all the time. It, killing was normal. That's what people did. They killed each other. And so God came into that world. He came into our darkness. That's what He did. He did that in the Old Testament. He was working with man to try to get man to the place where Christ could come. And where God could begin to put a stop to death. That was what he was doing. He could have done it in an instant, but that's not how it works. That's not how he chose to work. He could have stopped it all in. He came and began to work with man. Because God saw a day when, when God was going to put an end to death. And it was going to begin, the end of death began with Christ. So it wasn't like, did y'all get that? Y'all just sitting here looking at Oh, I know it's a big question, and people get mad at God all the time. So I'm off the subject here, but I'm fascinated with, with all of that. You know, the Old Testament is a very powerful book. I, I think people should read the Old I think people should read it and listen to what it... Because there's so much in there uh, that looks terrible, but there's a lot of beauty in there. There's a lot of redemption in there. There's a lot of power in the Old Testament, and it's, and it's all leading us to, to a... A destination and this, this, this person of Christ to really for him to finally come and say okay everybody I'm now going to tell you what God's really like look at me talk, this is Jesus look at me that's what God's really like and that's to me is amazing but let me read this John's great commission I'm not doing a good job on this but 
I'm all over the road. John, this, is, this is the gospel of John's great commission. Again, he said, this, John 20, 21 through 20, Peace be with you. Okay, listen. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Isn't that beautiful? As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. I'm sending you in that same spirit, and I'm sending you to do it just the way I did it. How did he do it? The Father loves the Son and shows him what he's doing. That's part of that. That Jesus was saying, you're going to get to go and, and see and hear like I got to go and see and hear. You're going to get to do what I did. Are y'all following this? This, this? That's what he's saying. That's why it's so, so amazing. And he brings out, you know, the Father, the fatherhood of God, okay, in, in his, his uh, great commission, that God's a father. God's relational. God, God is passionate. God is devoted. He's a father. And he wanted us to know that, and he wanted us to operate out of that kind of revelation of the Father. He also brings in the Holy Spirit. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, because he knew people were going to need this power encounter. So he wanted them to get this Holy Spirit inside of them, so when the Holy Spirit came on them, they could begin to flow from outward and inward. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? There's two anointings in the Bible. There's an inward anointing, there's an outward anointing. Did y'all know that? The inward anointing is really important, you know, because it's the Spirit of God in you. The outward anointing is really important. It's the Spirit of God on you. Usually this way this works. The outward anointing is for doing ministry, right? The Holy Spirit comes on you to do what He's called you. The inward anointing is for you. It's for you to have wisdom. It's for you to have understanding. It's for you to have discernment. It's for you to be able to make good decisions. And so that's what he was talking about here. Okay, but this is really what's interesting. If you forgive, this is a great commission. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, uh, they are not forgiven. Uh, So, you know... If you want to destroy a relationship, is don't forgive when people do you wrong. That's that's it. And so, so, so John was very relational. His whole gospel is relational. It's about God, about who God is, and about what God's like. And so he tells us the one thing that destroys relationships is not forgiving. When people don't forgive, they get bitter. And when you get bitter, it's like spiritual cancer that gets into your spirit, man. And that's why in Hebrews it says bitterness defiles many people. The bitterness comes from unforgiveness. And so part of the Great Commission is to forgive. That we've been empowered to forgive people. Not only people who hurt us, but we've been empowered to forgive people, period. And so, I just feel this. I feel like there's unforgiveness in this room. I feel like there's people in this room that you've been betrayed or you've been hurt or people have done stuff to you and you didn't forgive them. Or maybe you tried to forgive them. And I feel like the Lord wants you to forgive them. I feel like he's saying, if you forgive anyone, sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And so, I think if we could just take a moment for forgiveness, is to forgive those people that you, you haven't forgiven yet. I think there's a, a, always a, a grace and a passion in the Lord's heart for forgiveness so anybody need to forgive somebody raise your hand stand up we're going to pray for you stand up see this morning you can get really liberated I know it's hard to forgive Um, my great story about forgiveness is I had this big blowout with someone that went on for months and months 
<laughs> you ever had one of those? You had a blowout for somebody that went on for eight months or whatever, and it was just unreconcilable. And uh, I had convinced myself that I had forgiven them because I, I wanted to forgive them. I knew forgiveness was right. And I convinced myself that they were forgiven. And uh, then another friend called me one day and was talking about that person and talking about our because they knew about it. And when they did, when he started talking about it, I exploded. I was so mad. I mean, just all this anger and vileness came out of my mouth at that moment to my friend who like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, Lord help you, Byron. You need help, son. I was so angry at that moment, but it was like God was letting me know what was really in my heart. Okay, I was bitter. I had become bitter towards that person. And this is crazy. I got off the phone. I went to get my mail in my mailbox. This was back in the days when they had cassette tapes. And there was this tape in there, tape of the month called Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. I thought I should listen to this message. I listened to that message, and it was like, oh, my gosh, it was just an amazing message out of the life of Joseph about how Joseph forgave his brothers. It was just a, such a beautiful, powerful man. And this man is, is a very eloquent preacher and knows the Bible like inside and out and just powerfully anointed man. And so it's just an amazing moment for me. And so I began to work through it in my heart. And I remember driving down the road and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And this is what he said to me. He said, you can forgive him because I forgave you. And when I forgave you, I put a deposit of forgiveness in you. So take some of that forgiveness that I put in you and release it to this guy. And I'm going to tell you what, I did that right that moment. And when I did, I got free. And all that bitterness, all those feelings, all that stuff just started coming off of me. And I was able to go to this guy and just, you know, be reconciled and great relationship to this day. That was a long time ago. And so, you know, today's a day to take that forgiveness that God's put in you and give it to that person. Forgiveness doesn't say they didn't do anything wrong. Forgiveness says they're off my hook. They owe me nothing. They do not owe me an apology. They don't owe me even ever speaking to me again. They owe me nothing. That's what forgiveness is. They owe me nothing. And so that's what you have to do. You have to say to the Lord, they owe me nothing. They do not owe me an apology. If they stole something from me, they don't even have to give it back. If they never speak to me again, they're free. I have no connection to that. So just lift your hands to the Lord and release and give that forgiveness. Say, Lord, I forgive them. Just say it out loud. You can say it out loud and you can say the person's name. You can say it low if you don't want people to hear you. But just say it. Say, Lord, I forgive this person or persons. I forgive them. I release them, Lord. They owe me nothing. Say it. You got to say it. You got you to be, I can't forgive for you. You got to say it with your own mouth. If you'll say it and you'll trust the Lord you'll trust the Holy Spirit to really allow that forgiveness to be released and the next time you see him to be released then and the next time you see him after that it'll be released then Joseph's brother came back to Joseph after his daddy Jacob was dead because they were scared to death at that moment that Joseph was going to get them because daddy was gone and daddy's out of the way and now Joseph's true colors are going to come out and you know what Joseph said he said you meant it for evil but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. God meant it for, in other words, Joseph was saying, I not only forgave you when daddy was here, I forgive you every day of my life. You're forgiven. You never had to work because I have seen the redemption of God in my life. And so God is wanting to do something in your life today. He not only wants to, you to forgive, but he wants to take the thing that has hurt you and wounded you and turn it for good in your life. And forgiveness releases that. It unlocks goodness. So just let that goodness come right now. Just let it come. Say, goodness come. Goodness come.
Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness this morning. Thank you for the great commission today. Thank you for the great commandment, Lord. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you're a forgiving God. Lord, I just pray for every person who stood up and acknowledged that they had unforgiveness. I pray they would be free, Lord. Lord, I pray when they feel tempted to not be free, when they feel tempted to, to, for revenge or, dis, or resentment, Lord, I just ask you, Lord, that you would remind them, Lord, just remind them to forgive and to keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keeping. Because, Lord, because your, your forgiveness in us is endless, Lord. There's power in forgiveness. There's power in forgiveness. I'll tell you that there's power in forgiveness. There's power in forgiveness. There's power. What you, if you stood up and you forgive, there's power released in your life today. Let that power flow in your life. There's power. It'll change you. It'll work in your life. You don't know that person that, or persons that hurt you. They may be the very person that opens a door that you desperately need in your life. They may be the very person that can help you down the road sometime that when you desperately, you just don't know. You don't know the plans of God. But if you will forgive and just keep that heart of forgiveness flowing, then you'll see. You'll see God will turn it for your good. Amen. Amen. Woo. Amen. Uh, you know, one, one of the ways one of the ways the Lord deals with me when it comes to forgiving. De una manera que Dios lidia conmigo cuando se trata del perdón. Holy Spirit always reminds me how much I've been forgiven. El Espíritu Santo me recuerda cuánto he sido perdonado. And it's continuous. Y es continuo, algo continuo. And, and, and the conviction of my heart is so la, strong that la convicción de mi corazón es tan fuerte. It, it just feels there's no way you can withhold that. No, no puedes retener la falta de perdón. And then the second thing that happens is it doesn't mean that God is distant, but all, all of a sudden I will feel distant. Y lo segundo que me himself. pasa es que yo cuando no perdono like me siento distanciado de Dios, como que hay una barrera ahí. And that just makes it difficult because I love the Lord. Y eso lo hace difícil porque yo amo al so, Señor. But that was a powerful message, Byron. Eso fue un mensaje poderoso, Byron. Yeah. Thank you. Gracias. So just say I receive it. Yo digo yo lo recibo. You know. So. Here's what we're going to do. Esto Can we have the... Uh... That was okay. No, I was going to just gonna call the ministry team up. So can we have the ministry team come Podemos up here? Tener el ministerio, el equipo de ministerio venga. Unless you want me to sing a cappella. In tongues, in tongues. Let's get that straight. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let the ministry come up here. So, um, I'm just going to pray and just release Vamos you guys. So, Father, I just thank you Te doy gracias, Señor, for allowing us to be in your living room. Por permitirnos estar en, en tu cuarto. And we thank you that we are seated with you in the heavenly places. Te doy gracias porque estamos sentados en lugares celestiales. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you remind us about that continuously. Señor, recuérdanos esto continuamente. So, bless in the name of the Father, the Te Son, and the Holy Spirit. en el nombre del Padre, del, Son, del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. May His mercy chase you, His grace overcome you. Que tu, su misericordia te persiga. And may His love fill you up. Y su amor te llene. Amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Tengas un excelente And then if domingo. you want any prayer, just si come oración, up. Pasa acá There's plenty of people up here who want to pray for you. Hay gente que va a orar por ti.